0: All right. First of all, you can turn your Bibles to Philippians chapter two. Philippians chapter two, and no Andy tonight, just me for right now. But I figured I would follow in Mister Andy's footsteps and do a little uh, passing out of an object. I know it doesn't, might not work, but we'll see what happens. I thought you were going to say passing out uh... (laughs) a (laughs) little. Passing out a little object lesson to get us going, kind of break the ice, you know, loosen everyone up. And let's just see what happens. Now I'm going to give you this little hat—not everyone, but most everyone here. I'm going to give it to you face down, and don't turn it over till I say because I want everyone to have the same time to get the same reaction. Yes. Flipping what? Two. Okay. And when I say go, you turn it over, and you—if you get it—you look up at me and smile because you will smile if you get it. Okay. Daddy. So can you two share that. Come on. I have two extra oh, ones. I, I want one. I want, we don't share very well. Can I have one <laughs> <laughs> Alright, you guys ready? Yeah. If you get it, you look up me and you smile. Alright, go. <laughs> I think most everyone got it. Well, that, that's terrible. Par- <laughs> 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 Lauren's on the outskirts. Very good. Did you get it? Okay. okay. You gave this confused look. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's just today's age, though. Well, yeah. <laughs> on your phone, on. She's like, anyways. <laughs> Does anyone do know where this is from? Have yeah. you ever seen this before? No, I, mean, no. I feel like I have. Far side. Yeah, you got me. Yeah, this is a uh, Gary Larson. He writes a comic called The Far Side. It's like a nationally circulated comic. He's really funny. I used to have one of his books when I was younger. Anyways, it's really he gives gives like. It's really subtle humor, so if you don't like subtle humor, you won't get a lot of his stuff. But it's just really, like, there, and then you realize what is there, and it makes you laugh. I'm the type of guy that loves subtle humor. I hate stuff like, like the Three Stooges that just grates on my nerves. It just is so not funny. It's just <laughs> annoying. And so, like, this type of stuff, this is my type of humor. It's really just subtle. It's there. It makes you laugh. But anyways, I think what's also interesting about this comic... Believe it or not, I think it makes a really, really profound theological statement. I think what's happening in this photo, in this this really cheesy, sometimes little comic, is actually something that's very profound and very biblical. You have this kid, and he's walking up these steps to what's called the Midvale School for the Gifted, and he's pushing on a pull door. I don't know about you, but that doesn't strike me as the gifted student. I don't think he should be allowed in the school. He should just not be enrolled anymore. He, he doesn't get it. But I think what's really going on is just something that's a lot more theological than you might think. I think a lot of times, believe it or not, that Christians, and I would include myself in this when I say Christians as a big general category, that we often act like this kid. We often act like a kid that's pushing on a pull door. And what do I mean by that? Well, look at Philippians chapter 2. Because look at what Paul says in verse 12. He makes a really important point, and it's important that we, that we get this, because this is really crucial. Paul says, he's talking, he says, Wherefore, my beloved, verse 12, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Now often, I think it's in our nature to just stop at verse 12. We stop at, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. You see, when, when, when you are born into this world, you are a natural self-savior. You come to this world, how can I save myself by what I do? You're a self-justifier. And everything we do is automatically we try and blame something else and this is why we do it or this is why I, am, I should be accepted. This is why I should be allowed into your presence, God, because I'm doing this certain thing or I've made this certain change. We're self-saviors. When we are born to this world, like the compass of our hearts points towards self-justification. That's how we come into this world. So naturally, we think, I got to do something. I have to work on something. I have to make something happen in order for me to be accepted. We come into this world. Hello. Hello there. We come into this world with the mindset of what must I do to be saved? And we determine to win salvation, to win God's acceptance of us by some sort of effort or strength. We come into this world pushing on a pull door. We come into this world saying, "What must I do to get in?" And we read Philippians two twelve, and naturally we think we have to work something out. We, what? What do I have to do? Because right there we could say, "Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling." Naturally, we could read that and be like, "Oh, see, ha! I got to do something." Those Catholics were right. I have to do some sort of penance and all, some sort of confession and all these things and rituals and then, bam, I'm saved, hallelujah. Because that 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 seems what Paul is saying if you stop at verse 12. You've got to work it out. You've got to try really hard with, with all your might. You've got to use your strength and you've got to use your resolve and you got to work out your salvation. You have to win it. But that's not what we're saying and it's not what Paul is saying too often come on <laughs> hey guys how you doing hey come on in how you doing ben yeah not you nobody cares about you anyways let's keep going too often we're guilty of treating our relationship with god in the same way that this kid is treating this door to this school As as if we're pushing on a pull door. As if we must ram down the door of salvation by our own works. You see, Jesus says that he is the door. Remember that in John chapter 10? He says, I am the door of the sheep. So, if Jesus is the door... We're often, I think, very guilty of treating him the same way that this gifted kid treats the daughter of school, saying, look, God, look at at what I'm doing. Look at what I've done. Look at all the stuff that I've done in your name. Look at how gifted I am. Look at how righteous I am. And we're pushing on a door that says, pull. We say, aren't you proud of me? Aren't you happy with me? Look at all the stuff that I'm doing. It's as if God's on the other side of the door saying, what are you doing? The door is already opened. Just pull the door. He's saying, I have already done it. You see, with all of our might, we try and open the door of salvation by any means or any merits possible. We, we muster up some sort of righteousness in ourselves and we trust in our own giftedness, as it were. And, and we feverishly try to push open God's door of salvation as if it's, as if it's up to us. But see, it's not. You, it's, you see, what happened in, in Genesis 3, remember Genesis 3? It's the fall chapter where Eve takes of the fruit and then Adam sins as well. And now all of mankind is forever sinful. Sin enters the world. That broke perfect, the perfect relationship we had with God. It was forever broken, forever fractured. And now, you could also say an infinite canyon exists between God and man. See, beforehand, it was God and man fellowshipping in really close intimacy, walking in the garden together, talking in the garden together. And now, there's an infinite chasm between us and God because of sin. And there's, there's no sort of like like jumping over this cavern by ourselves. But to, to try and push open the door of salvation by what we're doing—that's what, essentially what we're saying. We're saying, "I, I'm evil, can evil, and I can jump over this canyon, jump over this ravine by myself. I don't, I don't need you, God. I I don't need you. I don't need your help. I don't need your grace. I can do it on my own. I'm good enough. I'm righteous enough. See, there's the thing is, there's no need to try and push open." A door that says pull. There's no spanning that ravine by anything you can do. There's no pushing this door open. The only bridge between you and God is Jesus Christ and his cross. That's the only bridge. That's the only link. Jesus says in John chapter 10 verse 7 that I am the door of the sheep. And I am the door and by me if any man enter he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. What's he saying? You come in through me, by what I have done, by what I have accomplished, by what he says in in John chapter 19, by what I have finished. It's not up to you. It's not based on what you're doing. It's based on what Jesus has done. You see, your redemption can't be earned by anything that you do. All your your performances and works and these things, they don't add to your justification. You know, like, the more, like, quote-unquote, righteous and holy you become, that's not just saying, look at I'm justification level 20, and you're at justification level 12. See, I got a bunch of one-ups, and now I'm better than you. (laughs) That's not sort of how it works. You know, I'm not um, up on the video game lingo, so I don't, hey, how you doing? What did you say, Tim? Oh. God does not like the lay people. (laughs) That's exactly what I'm talking about. (laughs) Anyways, what I'm trying to say is that we can't add anything to what Jesus has already finished. All these things that we are doing by coming to church and reading our Bibles and committing ourselves to God and witnessing and doing all these very important things, by the way, that you should be doing. They don't add to what Jesus has done. You're not putting more stuff on the, on the scale that says, look at me, favor me more. You know what those are? Those are proofs and evidences that Jesus has changed you. They're proofs that Jesus, that his grace works, that his grace is powerful. They're merely the proof to the world and your neighbor that Jesus saves sinners and Paul spends five chapters in Galatians telling them that. Turn to Galatians 3. Because I think Paul makes a really good point here at the beginning of Galatians 3. And I like how Paul doesn't really mince words. You know, he, he's not one for just beating around the bush. Galatians 3, look at verse 1. The Apostle Paul says this, he's been spending the first couple chapters talking about that it's not by your works, it's by grace, through faith, that you're saved. And look at what he says in verse 3, O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that ye should o- not obey the truth, before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth, crucified among you? This only would I learn of you. Received ye the spirit of the, by the works of the law, or by the hearing of faith? Are ye so foolish, having begun in the spirit, are ye now made perfect by the flesh? What is he saying there? He's saying, because what has happened is that these guys called the Judaizers, you might have heard of them before, they came in and started trying to add stuff to what you needed to do to be saved. He said, you've got to do these extra certain things. It's faith, but it's also this and this and this and this. It sounds familiar, doesn't it? Catholics, sorry. That, that we, and we sometimes do that too. That it's faith, but you've got you to gotta read your Bible. It's faith, but you have to have all these verses memorized. It's, it's faith, but you have to... And if you, As soon as you add that extra part, you're doing what Paul is saying. Are you so foolish? Having been saved by faith, are you now being sustained by your works? That's, that's not how it goes. That's not how it works. You see, I, I like this quote. I've quoted it before, but this guy named Horatius Bonar said this, The office of faith is not to work, but to cease working, and not to do anything, but to own all that is done. Not to bring near the righteousness, but to rejoice in it as already near. And what is he saying? He's saying to rejoice in all that Jesus has done. That's what it means to have faith. Or as pastor, I love what he said on Sunday about faith. That John G. Patton described it in this new language he was writing as stretching yourself out on God. That's faith. It's not working and moving and striving with all your effort and might and white-knuckling God. It's stretching yourself out on what God has already done. And what He has already finished And that's what Paul is talking about here. What he's talking about when he says in Philippians 2, work out your salvation. He's not saying try and get saved by working. Because look at what he says in the next verse. Go back to Philippians 2, sorry. Philippians 2, verse 12, Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God which worketh in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. It's God that's doing the work as you work. You see, what he's talking about here is not salvation in the initial sense. He's talking about salvation in sort of the progressive sense. You know, that salvation involves sort of three really paradigm-shifting realities of justification, sanctification, and glorification. Justification happens initially where God puts on you Christ's righteousness, thereby making you holy and acceptable. Sanctification is where God is making you more into the likeness of his Son, and glorification is the full, full reality of that. That's what's going to happen when he comes to back. That's what it talks about, what Paul talks about in Thessalonians. About how that God is coming back to be glorified. He's going to glorify his saints. That's what Paul is talking here about. Really that middle section, sanctification, the progressive sense. Work it out. Prove, testify, evidence for those around you, for your neighbors, that this is your salvation evidence to everyone around you that you believe in God and that his grace is powerful. Work out your salvation means to prove your faith through the humble recognition that it's God's work and not your work that is your sanctification, that is your satisfaction, that is your strength. Because Paul, listen to what Paul elsewhere says. This is 1 Corinthians fifteen ten. He says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am and his grace, which was bestowed upon me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all yet. Not I, but the grace of God, which was with me, it's almost the same thing that he's talking about here in Philippians, that he's working really hard, but he's knowing that it's not his work, that it is his, his foundation It's God's work. It's God's grace that makes him work so hard. See, that's what Paul is saying here. He's saying, work out, prove your salvation by knowing that it's God doing the work. By knowing that God has done the work, I should say, in His Son. See, don't be like this kid pushing on a pull door, pushing on a door that says, pull. What's the only requirement of the gospel? That you believe. It's not to work; it's just believing. That's the only requirement. What does Jesus say in John six? This is the work of God that ye believe on Him who He hath sent. That ye believe in Jesus Christ. See, that's what that's what I think that picture (laughs) shows—a profound thing that sometimes we're pushing on a pull door. God, accept me, accept me. Look at how much I'm doing good. What he's saying, just pull the door open. It's been finished by my son. Repent and believe and enter into the joy of thy Lord. Let's pray.